Good afternoon and welcome to Wednesday's Richie Allen Show. There was a show yesterday, it just wasn't live. It's on the podcast provider you use. There was a show yesterday, but it wasn't live. But we're live today. Thanks beat to Jeepers. Good to be with you. Thank you for being with me. It's the BBG, not the BBC. This is your Richie Allen Show. Live from the magnificent city of Salford. It's the Richie Allen Show, broadcasting live on richieallen.co.uk and multiple platforms around the world. And now, here's your host, Richie Allen. And I'll be taking your telephone calls and Skype calls in around about 30, 35 minutes time. Might not be the best day to do that because I'll tell you why in a moment. It might not be the best time for a phone in. But I'm going to go ahead with it anyway, so you can Skype, you can telephone me. The details are on the website richieallen.co.uk. They're also on the Facebook page for the programme. That is facebook.com forward slash BBG Richie. That's uh, facebook.com forward slash BBG Richie. Yes, today and yesterday were quite the days. The programme, not the, well, the programme was more briefly. The website for the programme, my website, richieallen.co.uk, was briefly hacked yesterday and was down. It didn't last very long. That wasn't too bad. That's okay. But the live stream was hacked. iStream was a Californian company. It's a very well-known one. And it was hacked to bring down the live stream of the Richie Allen Show. This is a fact. It isn't me, you know, telling uh, tall tales and what not. You know I've never been that uh, presenter, the one who claims that he is being attacked or targeted. No. It's happened a few times over the years, but I've never made a big deal out of it. Yesterday was massive. It was major. So accounts had to be deleted and new accounts had to be issued and new streaming addresses and URLs had to be prepared and created. And that took the best part of 24 hours. And the stream was only back up the new stream, that is, around about 25 past 3 this afternoon, about 90 minutes before I came to air. So a big pain in the backside. Massive thanks to, first of all, to uh, Shoutcast. Second of all, not not really second of all, uh, the great Paul Ripley, my engineer and great friend, uh, Hayden Hewitt as well for checking in with it today, even though he's got his own... He's up to his eyes with filmmaking at the moment and all of that. But a big shout out. And to TuneIn.com, it might be up on TuneIn. It should be in the next wee while. But I am streaming on RichieAllen.co.uk. So it was a mad day yesterday and a mad day today. So that's why I say it mightn't be the best idea to do a phone-in. Because I have no doubt, because of the messing around, there will be a dent in the live listening numbers. Or the, 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 the numbers of people listening live today. So we'll see how it goes anyway. When I do open the line, the Skype line and the phone in uh, and the telephone line, you see, you see, I've had such a crazy day. I'm going to tell you right now, I'm shattered. I'm absolutely shattered, but also exhilarated and looking forward to the programme. The contact details, as I said, on the website, on Facebook. If you haven't been on the website or Facebook, here they are. It's your call. Skype. 
chat with Richie. Or call 0161 818 2018. If you're calling from overseas, it's plus 44 161 818 2018. Talk to Richie now. In about 30, 35 minutes time, I'll open the lines. Before that though, let's take a little wander, a meander through the UK, mainly the UK media. We'll find out what's going on. Digital. Digital ID. Digital. There are people who live in Greater Manchester who find it very difficult to say digital. I jest not. I take the mickey not because I have my own problems with elocution. From time to time, I struggle with my my mother tongue. My mother, my mother tongue is Irish, is Gwelia. But uh, the, the tongue I use most often, I struggle so I won't take the piss out of my Mancunian friends. Digital. Digital ID, William Hague, former leader of the Conservative Party, and Tony Blair, former Prime Minister, have come together to say that we need to have digital ID imposed on us all in this country. Yes, everybody is talking about this today. We can hear a little bit from Tony Blair and William Hague. Uh, They spoke with Times Radio. Would you like to hear them? No? Well, let's hear a little bit of them in any case before we have a chat about it, me and you. Where does Britain find its niche in this new world? So this isn't utopian. This is real world things that are happening. And the country's got to, in a sense, what we're trying to do is to say to the political class, look, I know all the other issues you're talking about and all the usual events, crises and scandals that come in and out of the the, the political scene every day. But if you're thinking about the long-term future of this country, its economy, its public services, how we find our, as I say, our place in this new world, this is what you've got to concentrate on because it's this that will determine whether you succeed or fail. Technology's changed. I mean, technology's a world away from what it was back in the days when we were having those debates. And if you look around the world today, um, countries are moving to digital ideas, a way of enabling their citizens to engage with government and, of course, to conduct their business. And already people you know, people do so much digitally. And this is part of a, a much bigger package that, that William and I have, have put forward in this paper. It's um, it's 50 pages long, but don't get put off <laughs> by that. There's a there's a, a, a list of recommendations at the, at the top of it. And really what we're trying to say is the real world event today is this technology revolution. And it's the 21st century equivalent of the industrial revolution. And unless we as a country understand and the politics of the country un- understand this revolution and try and harness it properly, then we're going to get left behind. Um- William Hague, is it fair for, uh, I mean, you know, clearly we want to be technolo- technologically um, uh, articulate uh, in in the future, but there are some people who will say, well, hang on a second, does the government have a good record when it comes to uh, gathering our data and keeping it safe? Well, uh, no. well that will be a very important consideration. Uh, of course, as, as Tony was just explaining, there, there are reports about dozens of other things as well as that, but one of the ways to redesign the state around technology is to make sure this is the way that you show your identity. People are having to do that in so many different ways at the moment. Yeah, redesign the state around technology. The ID card would be on your phone. It would hold details like your passport, your driving license, your tax records. Hello. Uh, Qualifications you may possess and your right to work status. Yeah, Blair. Blair is still around. It's kind of amazing, isn't it, really? Isn't it amazing that Blair is still in public life? Anyway, let's hear some opinion on this. Joanna Williams is an academic and author. Here is Joanna Williams speaking today on 
GB News. I had to think about that for a moment. Here she is on GB News, Joanna Williams. I think the thing is, even if it is as simple as that, I still have a problem with it. Uh, so what's being talked about is a digital ID that people could have on their mobile phones. Well, for a start, not everybody has a, a smartphone. Even in this day and age, not everybody has a smartphone. And why the should they? Exactly. My mother wouldn't be able to cope with one. And then if she started going into the bank or trying to do any of those most basic functions that you do in society, and she was told, well, you have to show us your digital ID on your smartphone, it would mean that she wouldn't be able to participate in life as fully as she does at the moment. Bear in mind, I mean, we don't know yet what age you would have the digital idea. I don't think that's in this particular detail, is it? But they're talking about appointing executive ministers who are not MPs or peers to rewire Whitehall's approach to science. So basically non-democratic people making decisions for you. Encouraging the use of artificial intelligence assistance in schools to help teachers. More teachers, please, not robots. Exactly. Um, they're talking about curtailing the power of the Treasury to micromanage spending on science and technology. What does that mean? I mean, all of this really boils down to curtailing democracy, yeah. about taking decisions away from people who, even if we disagree with them, were voted in, and that means we've got the power to vote them back out, and handing decisions over to these technocrats who sit there and try and work out what's best for us and we have no say over it. As far as I'm concerned, this is a, a plan which has been cooked up by Tony Blair and William Hague, or they're fronting it. Well, ex-prime ministers or ex-leaders of political parties are ex for a reason. Ex for a reason, says Joanna Williams. Now, Ian Collins is a presenter on Talk TV, Talk Radio, whatever the bloody hell it is. Let's have a listen to his take on it, which is kind of ironic. You probably won't be surprised to hear an ironic take on digital ID from a from a radio presenter called Ian Collins. You don't have to be a conspiracy theorist, nut job, tinfoil hat wearing dodgepot uh, to see that this is just anti-liberal. Uh, this is just anti-democratic in so many ways. Yeah, no sense of irony, Ian Collins. You don't have to be a conspiracy loon to see that this is undemocratic. Where's the irony, I hear you cry? Well, the irony is in the fact that I've been interviewing people going back 10, 12, 13 years who claimed that we would reach a time in the very, very near future when people would be tracked from cradle to grave from morning to evening via smart technology and smartphones. And people like Ian Collins called them, you've guessed it, crazy conspiracy theorists. And yet here we are, more from Collins. I, notwithstanding, I can understand this is about... I don't think the motivation uh, with, with Blair or Haig is that, you know, the government, we want this one-world situation, we, we're going to spy on you and control you and you'll all be prisoners, none of that kind of eye-cold cobblers. Cobblers, he says. He gives uh, William Hague and Tony Blair a get-out-of-jail card. It's not about one-world government and it's not about surveillance state. They mean well, says Ian Collins, who I think probably knows a damn deal better, a good deal better than that, right? It's not that. It is, though. But that is actually the upshot, even if it's not the intention to <sighs> monstrably ever... It's not the intention. Evidently, that would have to be... The upshot. Right. And you give no credence to the theory that it is the intention. There's nothing benevolent about this, you dipstick. He has more to say. You are not a free citizen if governments, either here or elsewhere, are able to spy, follow, uh, survey, collate and database every moment. Every It might not be done as a live situation, but it will be banked there, put into a system. 
Well, that isn't the world we've developed, is it? That's not the evolution when we've come out of austere governments and systems and institutions. Where has he been for the last three years? We've come out of austere institutions. Ian Collins, somebody get a doctor to have a look at this guy. Where has he been since 2020? Austere? Are you kidding me? Let's not hear any more of Ian Collins. Digital ID, maybe it's something you might want to bring up when, if we talk on the phone or on the Skype in around about 20 minutes or so. What do you think? By the way, I didn't mention, how dare I not mention, you can also leave a comment for me via the website commentliverichieallen.co.uk. Of course, I will read the comments out as we go along. I'm not sure if we are streaming on tunein.com right yet, or, or, or yet even, but I've been assured by Fergus, one of the really good guys at TuneIn, that it will happen at some time today. The URLs, the addresses you see, are different. They are different. They are new. As Scaramouche says on the website, they missed out your medical records and vaccination status. Of course, 100%. That would also be contained on your smartphone's digital ID app. No doubt about that. Thomas says, Blair is a war criminal. We know that. That goes without saying. Thank you, Thomas. I do remember one time, not long before he passed away, Tony Benn, the former Labour politician, and MP said that Blair should be sent to The Hague. But then he didn't do anything to make that happen. Maybe there wasn't anything he could do to make that happen. Pandora says he didn't have ID debates. He wasted £11 billion on the national ID scheme when he was Prime Minister and its privacy-breaking NHS-linked database. And then he abandoned it due to public pressure. That's right, £11 billion. John says when people said that Blair should go to The Hague, this isn't what they meant. Boom, boom. Very well said, John. Why didn't I think of that? That's right, very good. 50-page document, William Hague and Tony Blair, about digital ID. Not lovely. It's 14 minutes past the hour. This is a bit mad. Have you seen this? It's been, well, it's, it's received a bit of coverage today. A council in Sheffield is... Facing a backlash. Everything is backlash in 2023. Everything is outrage. But this time I think the outrage might very well be justified. Because it has allowed a trans cartoonist with a kink for nappy fetish art to do what? Well, to speak to children at a library. Sophie LaBelle, an artist from Montreal, as my missus says, Montreal, Montreal, we say, is due to speak at Sheffield Central Library, right, this coming Monday, about a book uh, called The Best of Assigned Male. So this nappy fetish man who thinks he's a woman has been booked to speak to children about a book called The Best of Assigned Male. Somebody at Sheffield Council needs to be exiled to Siberia. Anyway... LaBelle, who identifies as a woman, has spoken publicly about nappy fetish art, known as diaper for art. Diaper for art. What the fuck? It has been defined, this diaper for art, as images related to someone with an interest in anthropomorphic animal characters and an interest in wearing diapers as part of baby roleplay. 
we don't say this to dehumanise people because dehumanising people is wrong. These people are fucking freaks. That is what they are and it needs to be pointed out to them that they are fucking freaks and they should keep this nonsense to the confines of their own home or apartment or trailer or wherever it is they hang out. Freaks. The majority of people do not get their sexual kicks out of fetishizing the female anatomy. They don't get their kicks out of wearing nappies and pretending to be babies. The majority of us do it in the missionary position. <laughs> With somebody of the opposite sex, he says. Missionary position. Freaks, right? Anyway, this label wrote on Twitter in 2021 that he is making diaper for art. Who booked this ponce to speak to children? Somebody did. And I'll tell you who's not happy about it. Miriam Cates is a Conservative Party MP for Pennystone and Stocksbridge. And Miriam has written to Sheffield City Council calling for the event either A, to be cancelled, or B, for an age limit of 18 to be imposed. And Miriam Cates spoke to LBC's Nick Ferrari on the radio this morning. Here's Miriam. First of all, I do think it's odd uh, that we're having to have this discussion and that anybody is defending the idea of a grown adult with a publicly expressed sexual fetish being allowed to read to children. Uh, but that said, we clearly do need to have this discussion because some people, including uh, the council, are defending it. Um, and I think, you know, the British public are very tolerant of what people yes. get up, up to in private. And no one's interested in policing what goes on in people's bedrooms and in private. But Hang, hang on now, before you say, but nobody is interested in policing what goes on in people's bedrooms. I agree with that. The police, the authorities should have no say, or certainly no interest in what goes on in consenting adults' bedrooms. But as for the tolerance of the British public, I'm not British, I'm Irish. I'm not particularly prudish. I'm not a Catholic, even though I was raised one. Bit of an atheist or an agnostic. I'm fairly tolerant, right? But um, I would disown a friend of mine who gets his or her kicks from wearing nappies and stuff like that. I'm not interested in you. No, I'll find somebody else to go to the football with. Thank you very much. Because I'll never get it out of my head. This is the problem when I look at you. I'm thinking about what you're doing in the bedroom with your nappies. It's not good. Anyway, more from Miriam Cates. It's not okay to play out sexual fetish in public where children are involved. And I think, you know, this is a publicly funded learning space with safeguarding requirements and even the most basic safeguarding checks would throw up red flags. I mean, this person would not be allowed in a school, for example. Um, and I think the issue is less about the comics, although personally I don't think it's right to tell children they could be born in the wrong body, but it's more about this public uh, fetish behaviour. Um, and safeguarding isn't really about whether or not someone's been convicted of an offence. No one's saying that. It's about saying, could this person be a risk to children? And if so, we err on the side of caution. And Sheffield City Council are definitely not erring on the side of caution, and I think they should be. Well done, Miriam Cates. Keep nappy wearing men who identify as women away from children. Keep them away from children. At least when it comes to, let's put it in context, at least when it comes to education. Why would you want children to sit and listen to a freak talk about a book entitled, what's it called again? No business being read to children this. The Best of Assigned Male. The Best of Assigned Male. Why would you inflict that 
on children. Yeah. Now, Shamima Begum is known, I suppose, universally these days as an ISIS bride because when she was 15, she absconded to Syria to join the Islamic State death cult. That's what we're told anyway. Seemingly, she was groomed on the internet and off she went for a life in paradise. That's what she thought, her and two friends. She arrived in Syria and found, well, a camp full of head choppers, Wahhabists, lunatics, right? Um, she's in a in a camp in Syria. It's kind of like a prison camp, isn't it? She's been, she's been, she's had her UK citizenship taken away, revoked, or British citizenship even, even though she was born and bred, born and raised in the UK. And she's in this camp in northern Syria and wants to come back. And she's taken this as far as she can go. She is taking it as far as she can go. She lost her latest challenge. Uh, over the decision to deprive her of British citizenship. Um, despite the judge saying there is a credible case that she was indeed trafficked, right? Mr Justice Jay told the semi-secret court, whatever that means, uh, dealing with her case, that her appeal had been fully dismissed. She's banned from returning to the UK, stuck in Syria, and the far right loves this, the conservative right loves this. You have the loony lefty saying, you know, what the loony lefties say. There's no room for any middle ground here, I suppose. Let's have a listen to Julia Hartley Brewer on the Conservative Talk TV radio programme. I know that's a contradiction, but that's what it's called. Julia Hartley Brewer. Um, I'm in the middle ground of, I think she's, I don't think she was groomed. I think she knew what she was doing. Mm. I think she's a danger, but she's British. She was born in Britain. She was raised in Britain. She went to school in Britain. She is our problem. She's gone over there. Um, would I care less if she never came back? Would I care less if she ended up, I'm sorry, but being killed over there? No, I wouldn't. I wouldn't shed a tear for one nanosecond. However, if she's alive, she's our problem and she should be brought back here. But I'd want her to face the full force of the law. And I know, and you know, if she did come back, the worst she'd get is a slap on the wrist, a few months in some sort of institution where she was sort of, it was all about rehabilitation rather than actually punishing her for what she did and her involvement with a terrorist organisation. And then she'd be free on our streets. And that terrifies the living daylights out of me. The idea that Shamima Begum would be walking around terrifies the living daylights out of Julia Hartley Brewer. <laughs> Give over, love. Give over. She's hardly likely to do anything. I would imagine she's pretty traumatised. I mean, she was very young when she went out there. And again, I imagine she saw some unspeakable things. What do you think? I would imagine she saw some unspeakable things out there. I, through the internet over the years, as a journalist, not, not for any sort of, I don't know, voyeurism, certainly not voyeurism on, on my... Uh, part, but I've seen some of the crimes of these lunatic head choppers on various websites over the years, and it takes a long time to get the images out of your mind. I can't imagine what it would be like to actually, you know, be out there and experience it. I, I imagine it's had some impact on Shamima Begum. My take on it, I don't think you care about my take on it. She's a British citizen. Bring her back. And if there is any evidence that she committed a crime or crimes when she was in Syria, well then charge her and seek a conviction. And if you get one, punish her. But if there isn't any evidence, well, 
tough cookies, as the old saying goes. It's 24 minutes past the hour. J.K. Rowling has come out fighting the author, who, uh, of, of course, most famously wrote the Harry Potter series of books, which I never read. I remember when they were, when they were making the films, when, they, when the first films came out, I was working on radio back in my, my hometown of Waterford, and I remember the furore about the films, and people were going back and buying the books, but it never did anything for me, not that it matters really. But J.K. Rowling, of course, has been harassed and harangued and chased around the place by so-called trans activists because of her statements over the last couple of years that, we you know, women, and women only, that's real women, biological women, should be, you know, allowed into women-only spaces. That spaces must be preserved for biological women. And she's been speaking to a podcast as J.K. Rowling, saying that she never meant to upset anyone, that the idea she is transphobic is for the birds. She laughed at fans who claimed her legacy is being ruined. She says they misunderstand her character, that she doesn't think about her legacy because she won't be around to witness her legacy or to observe it and just reiterated that you know men are men women are women men identifying as women is fine so long as men don't think I can identify as a woman and then I can go into a woman's space without anyway you know where I'm going with that so she's come out fighting in a podcast and on that a man who said he identified as a woman in an attempt to justify a sexual assault in a toilet has been jailed. A guy called Ian Bullock attacked a woman at Birmingham New Street Station at 7 o'clock on March the 21st last year. She was washing her hands. He went into the female lavatories and assaulted her. He was wearing a high visibility vest. He fled, put a beanie on him, tried to get away, but the police uh, caught up with him at the scene and arrested him. And when he was in custody, he said he was in the toilets because he identified as female. It's funny, the former Scottish First Minister, Nicola Sturgeon, and others said that things like that just don't happen. But they do. And there's another example of things like that just happening. It's 26 minutes past the hour. I'll be taking your phone and Skype calls shortly. I'm not expecting an avalanche because it's been a mad two days. And I'm not sure we're streaming live on TuneIn. And I know because everything is up in the air with the hacking. It'll take a day or two to settle down. And even on richieallen.co.uk, I am sure we are down substantially in terms of live listening. Live listeners listening live. Listening bloody well live. Here are the contact details. It's your call. Skype. Chat with Richie. Or call 0161 818 2018. If you're calling from overseas, it's plus 44 161 818 2018. Talk to Richie now. Once a month. I did a, I did a, a late evening radio show in Spain. It's where I got into talking about conspiracy research. It's where I met... Jordan Maxwell, Jim Mars, David Icke and others. And I really enjoyed my time in Spain, in San Pedro, in Guadalmina and in Marbella. And lovely, right? Loved all of that. One of the things I did once a month, I presented a men's sexual health show, which was very popular. Not because I presented it. It was popular because my guests every month were too amazing and hilarious doctors from the United States who, who were living in Marbella. 
Dr. Raymond Pratz, an ophthalmologist, GP but specialised in ophthalmology, went on to ophthalmology, and Dr. Carlos, Carlos Diawana, who specialised in the prostate and urology and stuff like that. Great guys. And this wasn't, you know, cheeky chappies behaving like schoolboys or teenagers. No, it was a very serious show. And anybody who remembers that, and, and I do sometimes hear from people who remember that, they will know, because I was very honest and very forthcoming on the programme about the things that I was into and my own sexual development. And people are throwing things at me. You know, I'm calling people freaks for wearing nappies and stuff. I have to tell you that my own proclivities are so dull and so boring and so traditional. Uh, think kinky boots, think high heel shoes, think nurses' uniforms, and that's pretty much where I am. I couldn't be any more boring or more conventional, right? And that is the truth. If my better half was here, she would say, yeah, that's it. But I, I've never asked her to wear a nurse's uniform. That's the truth, by the way. So I'm pretty boring when it comes to the old fetish kind of a thing, you know. But they say people who live in glass houses shouldn't throw stones. Maybe there are people who think that a man who likes footwear and boots and stuff, maybe there are people who think that those people are freaks, maybe. Yeah, but that was a great show. Carlos Tijuana, Raymond Pratt. We used to get old, old retirees, old British retirees on the Costa del Sol, ringing up, talking about their health in very interesting ways. It was a gas show, really. I used to pinch myself nights. We, we were doing it thinking, this is crazy to be doing this type of radio. But um, sadly, we kept our programmes for 90 days for legal reasons, and then we deleted them. That's how it was. None of those programmes exist anymore, unless Raymond or Carlos, I must get in touch with them to ask them, did you keep the programmes? Anywho, I'll finish with this in the in the rundown. Lego, that is Lego. I never liked it, dear listener. I never had any interest in construction. I was a Tom girl. I was a Tom girl as a boy. I never played with dolls, but I was more likely to play with a doll than I was to play with Lego. I had no time for Lego. I wasn't very good at anything when it came to creation creating like that. I couldn't do it. I never made a model airplane. Couldn't do it. Struggled with jigsaws. Couldn't do it. Didn't have the patience. Didn't have the mindset. I spent a lot of time reading the books, the classic books. You know, obviously, Jules Verne, all that sort of stuff, of course. Robert Louis Stevenson. And then, of course, Enid Blyton and, and the usual. So, uh, books, I was stuck in a book all the time, not into Lego, but Lego was in the news today, it's in the news. Why is Lego in the news, in the news? Well, it's because the, the company has unveiled a new range of figures with physical and mental disabilities, including characters with Down syndrome, anxiety and missing limbs. Fuck off. No, no, they have, they have. Down syndrome Lego characters, anxiety, and uh, <laughs> missing limbs. The new collection of Lego Friends characters is an attempt to reflect diversity and to enable more children to feel represented during play. Lego Friends includes not just mini figures, but also a television series. The company said the latest generation of toys is intended to celebrate diverse friendships in the modern world as well as open up children's perspectives on ethnicity, mental health, and physical disabilities. 
New characters with different skin tones, physical disabilities, ADHD. How the hell do you create a Lego figure or figurine with ADHD? How do you identify it as having ADHD? And vitiligo. Vitiligo is an autoimmune disorder that causes patches of skin to lose pigment. What kind of fuckery is this? What kind of fuckery is this? I want the Lego set, Mum. I want the one with the characters with the vitiligo. I want the one with the vitiligo! Children will be screaming this coming Christmas. I want the characters with Down Syndrome. I want the character with anxiety because it best represents me. And amazingly, the Danish company said there will be a character, this isn't April the 1st, so you can believe me, there will be a character, a dog, with a... With a wheelchair. Fuck off. No, no, seriously. A character, a Lego character, it's a dog in a wheelchair. Yeah. Lego said the research showed that three quarters of children feel there are not enough toys with characters that represent them. That's where it's all going. Narcissism. We're pushing children into levels of narcissism we never thought were possible. Where everything has to be about you. Everything you do is about you. There's a song in there somewhere. 27 minutes to the top of the hour. This is the Richie Allen Show. We're on air. We're streaming. They're never getting rid of me. They're never getting rid of this program. Why? Because of amazing people like Shoutcast. Because of amazing people like Paul Ripley, Hayden Hewitt, TuneIn.com, Podomatic, Real Warriors for free speech, who were there for me and you yesterday and today. They are never, ever getting rid of this radio show. Never, over my dead body, are they getting rid of this radio show. It'll happen. It'll be live. By hook or by crook. I'll take your phone calls and Skypes in a few minutes. Robbie Williams, Millennium on the Richie Allen Show, 24 minutes to the top of the hour. The contact details are posted on facebook.com forward slash bbgrichie. They're also posted on my website, richieallen.co.uk. But in case you can't get there, here they are. The contact details. It's your call. Skype. Chat with Richie. Or call 0161 818 2018. If you're calling from overseas, it's plus 44161 818 2018. Talk to Richie now. Yeah, and if you did get on recently, do give others a chance. Delighted to welcome Sarah to the show. Sarah was trying to get through last time and we said we'd get her on next time. And here she is. How are you doing, Sarah? I'm good, Richie. Nice, not too bad. Nice to see you. I can see you there in glorious <laughs> Technicolor. Nice to see you, Sarah. Well, look, you're first in and um, plenty of time. What would you like to say? Cost of living is just way out of hand. Just to give you a rough idea, I'm a family of five. I've got three um, children, one age 24, one age 20, and the other age 18. Um, and they're all living at home. Um, they're all paying their way as much as they can. Uh, they're all working, apart from my daughter, who's 18. And I worked out my income and my outgoings. And over the last three years, my income and my outgoings have just hit rock bottom. Purely because of the bills. Obviously, the energy being the biggest hit. Um, 
if we didn't have, I worked out, and I don't know whether anybody else has noticed this, but if you look on your energy bills, you actually are being told by your fit on your figures on your energy bill exactly what you would be paying if they didn't have this price guarantee. And I hadn't noticed that until recently when I scrutinized my energy bill. If I was not getting that price guarantee from the government, my energy bill would be £757.67 a month. Jesus. Yeah. You equate that, and then bear in mind that they're planning on putting the energy bill up again in, what is it, April? Yeah, Another April. 20%. My energy bill per annum is 10500 That's How are people supposed to live? On that. And pay, oh, and on that. that. And that, that's just the energy. You're not taking into account the food, um, all your insurances that you have to pay for, your water, your poll tax, everything else is going up. Um, I've lost my job. I was a, a self-employed childminder for 20 years. And during COVID, it just it bottomed out because everybody was working from home. So, you know, the business wasn't coming through the door. And that, that's quite a few of us. A lot of my friends have, have found that, that sort of situation that they're in as well. So as, as it stands at the moment, I'm an agency worker. I go into a school like um, as a learning support assistant. And I, can you remember, I sent a message in about the learning support and what was going on in the schools. Remind us. A little us while ago. Yeah, you, you, you mentioned it uh, live on air. You were talking to a teacher. Um, and I, I'm doing that at the moment. Um, agency working and I'm on what is it 11 pound 65 an hour as an agency worker um, my, my partner's just on the above the minimum wage so I'm actually now as a household relying on my own children to prop me up I don't know what to say to you you, you know where I live I live in Salford and mm. I hear this quite a bit like and that's when I'm out and about um, there's only two of us here. I mean, we're wealthy by comparison. The bills are astonishing. Last month it was 340 quid. December it was 400 pounds. That's, as you said, that's just energy. But it's not about me and it's not, it, it doesn't have the impact on us as it, as it would have on, on you. And this is obviously affecting you, isn't it? It's affecting your, your, your demeanour. It's affecting your, your happiness. It's affecting your yeah. outlook. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we were a family that was bringing in, I don't know, circa 50,000 a year, you know, with my self-employment, my partner's money. We were having two holidays a year. You know, the, the average middle-class British family, I guess, you would categorise us as. Um, and now we're barely lucky to get a, a holiday out of in Europe somewhere now. Um, um, there was another thing that I wanted to mention also. You know about all this cashless CBDC crap? Yeah. Um, I was listening to Children's Health Defence last week and it, it was something that they mentioned about the CBDC and apparently um, some of the um, banks in America, uh, like Visa, MasterCard, are offering companies $10,000 to go cashless. They're offering financial incentives to companies to ditch cash. Yeah, yeah. yeah that was on the Children's Health Defence. Uh, it's a reliable source. So I thought I'd bring that up. And I just think with all these small businesses that are struggling, um, you can see the incentive. Um, and I, I, I said to a friend the other day, I went down to um, our local town. And I have, to be fair, I haven't been down there for years. Um, Fairham. I'm, I'm sort of Southampton, Walsash based. So I went into Fairham. And I was absolutely shocked. It was coffee shops and charity shops. All the main, all the main um, 
shops have gone. WH, um, not WH Smith, um, M&S, BHS, clothes stores, Doris Perkins, they're, they're just not there anymore. Debenham's Richard. gone. They're gone. They're gone, yeah. Manchester is similar. Not just Manchester City Centre, which which isn't so bad, but the boroughs, so Altrincham, yeah, um, Salford, obviously, um, Fallowfield, um, Withington, yeah, it's the same, charity shops and coffee shops. Can I ask yeah. you... Um, I shouldn't. I don't even want to because it's none of my business. But in terms, yeah. in terms of, I mean, are you a homeowner? Um, yeah, I've got a mortgage. Yeah, I've, I've, I'm coming to the end. Of it. I'm actually trying to overpay it at the moment, Richie, just to get, to get rid, rid of, of it. it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I've got another eight years of my mortgage. That's um, and and the reason I asked that was because with with the slight, not not so much slight, but we've had two or three interest rate rises recently. Has that made a difference? Has it made increased no, your payments? I'm Thank God. You're fixed, thank God, yeah. Yeah, thank God, yeah. I'm on a 1.59% um, interest rate, and I guess now it would probably be somewhere in the region of 4.55 if I, was, if I wasn't if was on a fixed. Again, you know, another hit that people are taking if you're not on a fixed. And I just, I think there's, there's something brewing, shall we say, um, where you're just going to find loads of people just not being able to afford their, their bills, not being able to afford their mortgages, um, I mean, some people already took the hit when COVID came and they went on to like holiday payments with their mortgages. Yeah. Um, so that's going to compound that as well if people are, are not able. And I've, I've noticed in our local area, house uh, the houses are going up for sale. The, the, the for sale boards are starting to creep up. Um, so I, I just think it's, it's simmering away under the surface. And I think we're going to have a huge problem with people losing their homes. The scary thing about listening to you and listeners will observe this, I think, Sarah, is that you, you're skilled and you have a job. You're, I know your agency now, but, you know, you're a worker. You've worked all your life. Your partner is working. A couple, yeah. of, couple of the children are working. And you're beginning to struggle to make ends meet, and it's looking pretty bleak f for you. And the reason for this is obvious. Decisions were made by our governments that were, were basically anti-people, weren't they? I mean, the, yeah. the, the lockdowns, I believe the lockdowns have done what they were designed to do. They weren't designed to protect people from a virus. They were designed to tank the economy and to put people in the situation that you find yourself in. These are decisions made by other people, terrible decisions. And uh, and that's why you find yourself w where you are. But you I mean, what, what, what future have the kids got? I mean, you know, my 25-year-old, my he should be, you know, if, if I think back to when I was 20, 21, I was married at, at, at 23, um, and and her first child at 25, and you think he's still living at home for Christ's sake. What what's his future? Yeah, I it, don't know. It's, it's depressing. It really is. And how I know, do you, how, how do you yeah. deal with that? Because knowing what you know, and I'm guessing your partner knows it as well, right? Knowing yeah. why this is happening, knowing that it's going to be more difficult for your children than it was for us. You and I are about the same age, I reckon. So yeah. so knowing that. You know, we had it fairly easy, really. There were jobs and there were opportunities and we travelled and we did this and we did that. And they're looking at Tony Blair and William Hague saying they want them to have digital ID. And worse than that, you've got... And I don't want to depress you. I hate even saying this, but I've got to say it. You now have university lecturers coming out saying that we should have a carbon allowance. You know? Bullshit. Yeah. It's bullshit. And what do they think of it? Did, are the kids wised up? They're all adults now. The 18-year-old is obviously just about an adult. Are they wised up to what's happening? 
They are, but they, they, they call me a conspiracy theorist. I mean, I, I nearly fell out with them all over the vaccine. Um, and I basically, I, I laid the law down, Richie. I said, um, I, I'm not having it. And a friend of mine, Debbie, we, we both thought, Man, there's something not quite right here. Um, and I, I was trying to get the kids engaged in it. And they just shut off completely. And I had to get to the point where I threatened my own children that if they had it, I mean, this is ridiculous as a parent, if they had it, that if anything went wrong, I wouldn't be there for them. Which it didn't mean, of course, but you were just terrified of them having it, right? Yeah, yeah, that's, yeah. How, that's how bad it got. Jesus, I could see myself. You're a bit like me. I think I think we have a few things in common. I'd be I'd be inclined to do something like that as well. You know, I'd be a bit of a screamer. Me, I'd yeah, be inclined. Yeah. I'd kick you out of the house, kind of a thing. Anything to yeah. try and put them off having it. Dare yeah. I ask? Did they have it? The older ones? No, none of us had it. Thank God. No, no. But again, will we have? Will we get that choice in the future? <laughs> Well, I think when it comes to doing the things you want to do, like going abroad and maybe even travelling up and down the country, maybe in the future it might might be more well, difficult, Sarah. I don't, you know, I, I'm generally the doom monger. I mean, you've probably, mm. being a listener, you will have heard me say that we might have 70 or 80 years of hardship before humanity claws it back. But lately I'm seeing things that make me think maybe I'm wrong. And, and this 15-minute city nonsense and people talking about carbon allowances, it might just light the fire under enough people, Sarah. It might do. Well, I, I, I can remember my friend Debbie and I were sat here and, and her, her husband, Robbie, and we, we said, we all said this will hit, this will, will spark a revolution, if you like, when it starts hitting the middle-income families. Now, this 15-minute bloody local traffic neighbourhood shit climate change... This is when it's going to start hitting the real people. And you're already see, seeing a kickback in Oxford. Um, yeah. So you start, you know, you times that by several hundred cities. You, you're going to get some serious kickback. And let's, um, yeah, you're right. It is starting. Let's just remind our listeners what it's about, really. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong, Sarah. But for people who don't know what it is, the 15-minute city idea is, is a climate change agenda idea. It's an idea that everything you need will be within 15 minutes of your doorstep, meaning that you don't need to travel too far, meaning that you don't need to create as much CO2 as you used to create. Basically, we'll keep you confined to a 15-minute radius of your home, and that will ultimately be good for the climate because we won't be creating so much carbon. That's the gist of it, isn't it, really, in, in a nutshell? That your schools, your, your shops, everything will be within walking distance of your home, so you don't need to take the car, and you don't need to go so far afield. That's it, right? Pretty much, yeah. in a nutshell. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, when they say it the way they say it, sometimes they use language, it sounds very benevolent and sounds lovely. It sounds very handy. And convenient, but it isn't, of course. It's not about convenience. It's about trapping people in, in, in their neighbourhoods and keeping them there. And, and then when they start talking about having a carbon credit card, which is something I'm sure you have been pondering for some years. I've been thinking about it for some years too. When will they do that? When will they say, well, here's your CO2 allowance for 2024? And if you exceed that, well, you've basically got to hang around your house because you've gone over your allowance. Yeah, I think but, you know, again. Yeah. Will, you, will you own your house? Will you own your house if you don't comply with the carbon chip? Yeah, I don't know. Uh, this is the thing you see because we just about now do own our house yeah. because we got a very very um, cheap um, former council house in Salford. We were lucky to get that. 
we'd add a couple of bob put away she's got a great job has uh, the great caroline and we had a good deposit we're just about out of it now but are we really we think we are but imagine we say next year or the year after listen we don't want to heat pump under uh, under our garden thank you very much yeah well, maybe at that stage somebody will say well 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 then maybe maybe you don't own your own property maybe we have to take control of what goes on inside your property i just don't know sarah i can't even believe we're talking about this stuff well if you think about the energy energy rating not that each, home, uh, each home has now you you can see where that's going you know if you don't have the heat pump you don't you, you, you don't get the energy rating you can't sell your then house you can't, you, can't sell. you can't afford to put the 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 energy you, you can't afford to put the heat pumps in so what, you're stuck basically and again you know that could relate into some sort of wealth transfer for the government then the government has control of all the housing stock and if you don't comply you you don't you don't get a home basically yeah yeah these the i mean they're openly talking about these things it was actually a barrister of course robert the former hong kong resident who wised me up or opened my mind up to the whole energy rating i i felt like such a fool last year sarah that i didn't notice that that i didn't understand what was going on when they gave you an energy rating of d yeah. like why would they do that and when, and when we bought the house i was like well ah okay i'm such a naive irish muppet sometimes i'm like ah right so the energy rating must mean that the house doesn't keep the heat in and, and uh, you know maybe i'll have to do a bit more put a bit of insulation in it never occurred to me that that could be used against you in the future and that's yeah. exactly what it's designed uh, to do. Can I ask you, I'm not, I'm not kicking you off the, 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 the show, by the way. You, you can stay with me for another couple of minutes if you like. But um, just having a rant about it, does that release a bit of pressure? Just a little bit? No. No, no it makes me more angry because I, uh, what it boils down to at the end of the day is my kid's future, Richie. I, I mean, you know, I'm, I'm 53 this year. I couldn't give a shit now, to be honest. But it's my kid's future that I'm more concerned about. Um, my, my, my son, my eldest son, has got a girlfriend that lives in Baritz in, in France. Um, what chance has she got of coming over? She's, she's a qualified florist now and she would love to come over to the UK and live and set up home. Um, because, uh, you know, I don't know what's going to happen there now. Um, my, my middle son's doing really well. Um, he works for Microsoft and does a bit of gaming design and stuff like that. Um, so he's doing really well. But, um, what, yeah, what future have they got? I just don't. I don't see a future for them, sadly, and that that that's worrying. Well, tech anyway. I mean, I, I I'm not being devil's advocate here, but anybody who is into tech is going to have work, right? At least for the next couple of decades, anyway, mm. because it is a technocratic society. They're on on un, un, unveiling really first, and they are going to need people to do it, and it'll be compartmentalized. So, people like your son who's probably a lovely kid, right? They won't know that what they're involved in is building a virtual prison. They won't know that. It'll just be, you know, going to work and getting on with people. And if you like your tech, you're, you like your job, but they, they just won't know. It's how they built the atomic bomb, right? People had no idea. They went to work with their with their lunch pails and... and uh, none of them go, Richie, none of them go to work. They don't leave the house. They do it all they're from home, They're in their own yeah. prison now. Yeah. They do everything online. From home. Yep. They're both remote workers. I don't know if you heard, um, my better half, her company just closed the offices. Ne never asked the employees whether they, whether they consented to it. They just closed the offices. 
without asking for permission, without yeah. having any consultation, without saying to somebody, listen, do you, would you like to come back to the office or even hybrid, would you like to come back three days a week? No, they just closed the office. It's one of the biggest companies in the world. They closed the offices and said, right, you're at home now. Well, they've just done this thing, haven't they? Um, I, was it Birmingham? Did I hear today? This four-day week trial thing. Yeah, before. they've been talking about yeah. it on the BBC, yeah. Yeah, Yeah. so you can see where it's going. We, we are literally going to be imprisoned in our own homes for the future. Well, that's, that's where it's going. And if you're not up with the tech, well... Maybe the vaccine will kill you off before that. Maybe the vaccine will get rid of you. And listen, just before I do take some more calls, Sarah, on the the, uh, the your children who are not children anymore, they they are becoming aware of this, are they? I mean, you said you know I'm you had trying. the issue with the vaccines, yeah. yeah and you're, they, you're tr- they, you know they're in their own little world. Like I said, they're in their own rooms, they're in their own prisons, and they're just getting on with it. Um, and every now and again, I'll drop something into conversation, but. Yeah, I don't know, Richie. It's not easy. No. As far as the financial uh, difficulties go, I really mean it when I say my heart breaks for you, Sarah. It really does. Because, like, you know, I, I grew up in a working family. We all worked. And you're obviously a grafter. You're, you're obviously passionate. You're fit. You and your partner work. You do, You you fulfilled your end of the bargain. It's the thing that people can't understand. You know, you get a job, you, you do your job, you pay your tax, you pay your national insurance, you know, you get your mortgage. And the government goes and does COVID and lies about a pandemic and then uh, throws uh, the economy into the toilet and, and then is encouraging the ongoing situation in Ukraine, which of course is obviously leading to higher energy bills. And this is killing people. It's destroying yeah. people's lives. It's obviously having a terrible effect on, on your you know, well-being and your life. And uh, that's out of your control. You know, you're not a lazy cow who just sits around looking for handouts for, from the government, far from it. You've never done that. You're a grafter like me. And, yeah. um, and this is happening to you. And it kills me that it is. And I wish I could say something that would, you know, mean anything that, that, that would, would give you some relief from it. But I can't. I'm just glad you have a partner and you have a yeah. family. Oh, God, yeah. I, I would be probably homeless. I would be, yeah. There's no doubt about it. If I didn't have a partner, I'd be homeless. Is he the calm, steadying influence in yeah. the, the partnership? <laughs> yeah, he's the cool one in the family. He's the cool one. <laughs> we'll deal with it. We'll deal with it. Yeah. Um, yeah. One thing. Go ahead. It's, it's vitiligo. Oh, I said it wrong. Of course. Because yeah. listen, to be honest, I never heard of it. To be honest, I'm an idiot. Yeah, I've got it, so I know. <laughs> oh, you have it. It's vitiligo. Yeah. So, what do you think of? Vitiligo. Now, does that make you feel more included that there will be a vitiligo Lego character? Are you happy now? <laughs> That you'll be recognised. <laughs> yeah, we live in a strange world. Listen, oh, I'd, I'd, love, I'd love to hear from you again. We're connected anyway. And uh, yeah. look, you're well covered. You've got a good shoulder to lean on there, I think, from what it sounds with your partner. But thanks for opening the discussion today. Really Might nice to welcome. meet you, Sarah. Okay, thanks, Richie. Not at all. Mind yourself. And- That's a lovely Sarah there. Um, she said Fairham, didn't she? I think Sarah said Fairham, Southampton way. I didn't write it down. I normally write it down so that I don't, um, um, you know, look like an idiot later on when I can't, uh, when I can't, re- you know, when I come to say thank you, Sarah, I normally write it down. This is uh, the Richie Allen Show. The time is three and a half minutes to the top of the hour. I'm not saying this won't be of any consolation to Sarah because there is no solidarity in numbers when it comes to being broke, right? But um, Sarah is um, not alone. Like I said, I I live in Salford. It is a great 
historic working class community. I am a working class boy from Ballybeg in Waterford City. I'm proud of it. Class? No. From a, from a working family and a working neighbourhood. And uh, there's no consolation that everybody else is in the same boat, you know. We're only just keeping our own heads above water because we don't have children. And we don't have very much of a mortgage anymore. But I couldn't take too many bills like that, Phil, on, on Saturday. Uh, sorry, uh, in December, £400 for, for, for electricity and gas. I, I, we, we couldn't continue uh, to do that. Zoe has been trying to get through. I think it's Zoe in any case. I'll take as many calls as I can between now and the top of the next hour, 7 o'clock, it's uh, the Richie Allen Show. The contact details, as I said, are on the website. They're also on Facebook, but in case you can't get on there... It's your call. Skype. Chat with Richie. Or call 0161 818 2018. If you're calling from overseas, it's plus 44161 818 2018. Talk to Richie now. Now, I might be connected to Zoe. Are we connected, Zoe? Yeah, I think uh, so. Thank God for that. How are you? Are you well? <laughs> Yeah, I'm really good, thank you. I didn't expect to get through. Well, you got through. Where, whereabouts are you as it happens? Um, I'm in Winnesh, I'm near Reading. Ah, you're near Reading, so not too far from the capital city. Um, London Irish and all of that. Tell me this, um, Zoe, the floor is yours. Thanks for calling in, by the way. Lovely to have you on. What would you like to say? Um, well, I would just like to say thank you for everything that you do. Um, you've actually been um, a bit of a lifesaver for me, to be honest. I think your, you know, your show is just, uh, it helps a lot of people. I don't know whether you realise how much. You're like, very your, kind, Zoe. Your humour Well, you're really very kind. Helps. It helps me, to be honest. You know, during the madness of all the first uh, six months, 2020, 2021, even though it was crazy talking about the same single thing every day, it actually helped me having, you know, the platform to have a chat about it. So, um, but thanks for saying that. No, it does mean a lot to me. So thank you. Yeah, no, I've got loads to say, but um, Crack yeah, on. I mean, you know, uh, following on from where uh, the last lady sort of left off. The cost yeah, of and I'll, tell you, I'll give you plenty of time, Zoe, so don't, um, you don't have to rush. I'll give you plenty oh. of uh, time to, uh, to to say it, so go ahead. Uh, yeah, the cost of living situation is obviously hitting everyone quite hard. Um, uh, I'm probably someone that would be hit first because I'm not working. I'm on uh, universal credit. Um, I sort of I was just starting up a self-employed business as a makeup artist and beauty therapist when lockdown happened, and uh, I lost pretty much all of my kit and um, all of my training was kind of you know out of date before I'd even really got an opportunity to get up and running. Um, what a shock that um, was. Yeah, it was it was awful because obviously, you know, it, I had I'd invested quite a lot, I mean thousands in kit and um yeah, it was all just basically expiring in front of me whilst I was locked in the house. Right, and, so you're, uh, you're talking about products and things that have a shelf life. Yeah, like makeup and stuff like that. You know, it's got like a, a six or a 12-month uh, life, life shelf life, basically. Yeah. So if it's been opened, that's it. And then you can't get insurance. And yeah, so that it kind of wiped all of that out, really. And I haven't really been able to rebuild, rebuild um, ever since. And yeah, because of the way that it kind of happened I feel too angry to sort of move on 
from it. It's kind of, it's left me in a position of just feeling completely stuck, you know, like, and frustrated when you see people sort of carrying on and saying, you know, why are you still talking about it? Why are you still talking? You know, it's, that happened, you know, this is 2023, not 2020. And it's like, how do you forget yeah. what they've done to us? I feel like I've had so much stolen from us, you know, from me personally, from I've lost relationships. I've lost, you know, I've lost my best friendship in the world, like a 20 year friendship during lockdown because of, you know, our politics, although they'd always aligned before, seemed to split so far apart so rapidly, you know, with all the 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 American side of things with the Trump and the this and the right and the left and yeah it 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 just separated our friendship completely like I was supposed to be a bridesmaid at a wedding and uh, she just uh, dropped me as a bridesmaid and then all of a sudden texted me and said she uh, wanted to end the friendship all because we just didn't get on politically anymore would you know we'd started to argue about you know what was the reality of situations that were occurring, like the whole Russiagate thing and just all that stuff. It, it's just been so divisive. I found myself sort of having panic attacks now. Um, you know, flashbacks of lockdown and flashbacks of walking around supermarkets with my little boy who, you know, was very young at the time and always seemed to have a cold. Um, because I'm a single mum, like I couldn't leave him at home to go to the supermarket and we were supposed to go on our own. Um, but I couldn't leave him. So I'd be walking around a supermarket with a little boy with a snotty nose and getting death stares from everybody and, you know, feeling just so stared at whenever he'd cough or sneeze and, you know, trying to get him to stop, trying to stifle it and, you know, just feeling like, feeling like you're a plague bearer almost and now whenever I go into that shop it just triggers like anxiety and panic especially now when I go in there and see the prices yeah that's also something it's just like yeah I don't know how people are moving on from this how are some people so affected and some people not I imagine we'll come back to the supermarket experience in a minute because that's something that I, I reckon quite a few people listening to this will relate to um but the business, I mean, I'm guessing that, I mean, I might be wrong, you might have used savings predominantly, but you might have borrowed a few bob to get the business up and running. Oh, I did, yeah, I went bankrupt. Jesus. I went bankrupt, I lost literally everything. I, I didn't have a choice. And they, you know, this is, this I couldn't work, you know, and other people were working, you know, were sort of going out and still doing it, but because my mum's sort of, my mum's very high risk, uh, she's got a COPD. I I wouldn't run the risk of you know sort of coming into contact with anyone just in case. Like I knew something was off. I knew it wasn't right. I felt like it, it didn't make any sense. Like none of it was logical. You know you couldn't you couldn't wrap it, like it was deliberately um, confusing all the time, you know, mess, mixed messaging constantly, just enough to sort of keep everybody, or may, do you know what, it's similar to the way that they've handled the whole, uh, the sort of, the coverage of the Nicola Bully, um, like investigation, yeah. it's, it's like the breadcrumbs and the, you know, the, 
the different sort of uh, paths that you're given to follow and investigate and just to just to set you off like that's kind of how they handled the whole of lockdown you know it's like just just keep your head confused and you know unable to get your head around it enough so that they can just carry on going on and on pushing more and more and look at what we've accepted look at what society has accepted now yeah yeah and Look at where we are. You said a few minutes ago you, you found it you find it very difficult to move on. I will take a stab at that, right? I would be in the same situation. I, I would feel just as you felt. A terrible grievance. You you have a genuine grievance. The government did a tyrannical thing. It told people they were not allowed to work to earn a living. It told people that they would police that and that there were penalties. You know, and very severe fines for people who didn't comply. And you've taken yeah. out a loan and you're about to start a business. I imagine you're very excited about it. You're looking forward to it. And they've basically destroyed your business. And here we yeah. are now in 2023. You're left with the legacy of that. And most people are acting like, well, you know, that was three years ago. You know, we've moved on. But but we've not moved on. You know, no. a crime was committed against you. Yeah. By your government. Yeah, by by all against all of us. Yeah, against everyone. There's not a single person that you speak to that hasn't been affected in some way. Like whether they really realise it or not, whether they just dismiss it now. Like everyone just dismisses it now. Like it was, you know, I don't know, just some sort of daydream. You know, didn't really happen. But like people lost people. And they couldn't go to their funerals. Like they couldn't hold their hands when they died. People weren't allowed to go and visit people in care homes. Like they were denied access. Like you saw horrific videos of elderly people being pulled away from their relatives. And, you know, just the depravity, the absolute depravity of the people that we have trusted throughout our lives. Like, I can't even bring myself to book a doctor's appointment now. If you, you know, if I don't, you can. I don't, I don't yeah. trust them anymore. They've lost my trust. And to, you know, this might be a little bit personal, but I, I also haven't gone for a smear test because I, I don't trust them anymore. You're not the only lady who said that to me recently, funnily enough. Would you believe that? That's a straight, that's an, an amazing coincidence. That's been said to me recently by by another um, woman I know. Yeah, amazing. Yeah. And well, here, you, you, getting a doctor's appointment, you need to be at death's door, really, before they'll see you anyway. Yeah. Well, where yeah, where yeah, I am. Definitely. Yeah. I mean, it's horrendous around here. Absolutely horrendous. Trying to get any kind of doctor's appointment and dental care is just gone. They, do, they don't even do NHS dental care anymore, do they? No, that's, again, amazing you're bringing this up. Neighbours of mine who rely on NHS dentistry, that's where the... And the amount of people, the amount of people that I've spoken to about um, dental surgeries that removed them off their lists during lockdown because they weren't able to attend the appointments, like the regular scheduled appointments that they're supposed to have during that lockdown period where they weren't allowed to go. So loads of people lost lost their NHS um, their, sort of uh, their, their status. That yeah, time. that's right. They did, and I believe that dental surgeries have taken advantage of 
lockdowns because it was a wonderful opportunity to get rid of patients from the books who get their dentistry free or nearly free uh, and to bring in private um, clients because they're all taking on private patients, all of them. Yeah. Yeah, as long as you can pay for it. As long as you can pay for it. Absolutely right. But have you seen what's going on in Canada now? In terms of, there's so much going on. In terms of, as long as you can pay for it, you can get it done. Like with the whole euthanasia programme that they've got going on. Oh, yeah, yeah. You know, and that is literally, in terms of like the healthcare programme, you know, people that are ill, you know, as long as they can pay for it, they can get it done. But if they can't get it done, they're being offered their, uh, what's it called, their maid I think it's called Made Program, and end, end uh, you know care. they're literally being sold the idea of just right death. You'd be better you off dead, yeah, absolutely. Government, government sponsored, uh, you know, isn't it, is it democide when they do that to their own population and at this point? And it's coming here, as you know. There's going to be a reading of a bill <laughs> in this country. Ages in ago, there was an yeah. article written where Matt Hancock was talking about the benefits and the fact that we should open the debate about euthanasia. Yeah. That was really early on during the lockdown. There that a, was an early warning sign. A death cult. Let me ask you about something else that you mentioned because it's important. Because again, it'll, I think it might help people. Sarah, uh, um, excuse me, Zoe mentioned that she had a friendship that was very important, a 20-year friendship, a best friend. And differences of opinion about things like, you know, the, the COVID thing and Russiagate and that led to a split and the friend said, look, I you know, don't want to be, um, I don't want to be around you anymore. I don't want to be um, a friend of yours anymore. That's a death without the corpse, that. You know that, that? That's a terrible thing, that. And I've heard so much of this in the last three years. That's a yeah. really hard thing to come to terms with, that. I'm not yeah. trying to make you upset now. I'm not doing that. No, 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 but no. But that's no. terrible, I've, 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 I, Do you know what? I mean, I, if anything the fact that it all sort of happened the way that it did really opened my eyes to, you know, a lot of things that I probably hadn't realized about our friendship. And, you know, I think for me, just the sheer fact that she could walk away from me and not just me, but my son, who was, you know, really close to her. Um, it just said that actually she's done me a favor. Um, and I, you know, I wish her all the best, but, if she's headed down that path and she still can't see what's going on at the moment, there really isn't any friendship left to save anymore. Maybe though, and and this isn't just nonsense now, maybe, I think everybody's going to be confronted by this very soon, I think. And maybe in the not too distant future, you might get a phone call. It happens. And, you know, I, I, I'd like to think that if, if she did pick up the phone and say, Jesus, I didn't realise what was going on and I let you down badly. A hundred percent. You'd be there, yeah. Yeah, Yeah, like, but I just, I don't think I've got it in me to try and change anybody's opinion anymore. Um, Although I have become much more outspoken over the last couple of weeks. I don't know what's happened. It's just like a switch has flicked and um, all of a sudden I'm not, I'm not holding back really. Is there any way, sorry Zoe, is there any way you can get back into... I mean, you obviously decided to take, you know, to to go into business for yourself because you love the work. Is there any, you're obviously, you know, a people person, obviously from speaking with you. Is there any way that can be resurrected? I'm not a people person. You don't think you are? I think I'm more of a, I like to take, I like to, you know, make things 
beautiful I like to make things feel beautiful like people especially that was the part of the job that I loved was making people feel good about themselves especially when it was a really special occasion yeah um but then during lockdown I discovered that I love transforming transforming um sort of vintage uh furniture really that was going to be sent to the landfill or whatever um and just making that into something beautiful instead so I'm gonna sort of change my direction and start uh hopefully my own upcycling business and take it from there and hopefully add on the makeup stuff when I can afford to replace all of the kit that I lost but that's quite a long-term plan and That's you're going to take. And you've got those skills, those craft skills that you can take an old chair and you've got the ability, you know, I love people like you, you know exactly how to do that stuff, reupholstering and... and oh, I love it. Yeah, I wow. I love it. Yeah, I wouldn't have a clue now. I love those shows when they come on TV, I get a great kick out of them, but uh, you wouldn't ask me to put a wallpaper up in your, your little boy's room because I'm absolutely useless. <laughs> I'm sure if you actually tried to do it, you'd I've tried, Zoe. Oh, going back years ago, I tried to do all that stuff. Uh, no, I was never any good at it. Before um, we, we do move on and take other calls, um, as, as far as support then, right, you, you, your, your lifelong friend is not there at the moment, but please God, that will change in the future. Do you have somebody to sound off to? Because we do, people like us who know what's happening. Now more than ever, we need people to listen to us for a few minutes. Do you have that yeah. in your life? Yeah, yeah, I do. I do. I have. I'm. I'm lucky to have the people that I do um, that are still sort of clinging on. I think yeah, yeah. <laughs> clinging on, despite me sort of, you know, probably going a bit introverted. But um, yeah, no, I've got some people close to me. Yeah, and, I'm glad to hear yeah. that. And the little lad, That's how's he doing? Good. Uh, yeah, he's loving it. He's loving being back at school. But, you know, school's a whole nother issue. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, probably for another time, because I'm sure you've got other people to speak to. But um, I hope you're feeling much better after your accident, by the way. And, um, yeah, sorry to hear that they didn't follow up on that for you. Isn't it funny, isn't it? And, of course, when I, when, when I put that out on social media, I was inundated by other people. And there's a gentleman who runs a whole website about four people who's you know, for, for crimes that were never investigated. Ah, oh, sure, listen, my, mine pales, pales by comparison to some people, you know, have been seriously assaulted by by lunatics in some cases and their local police forces said, well, there's not very much we can do about it. Yeah, we th- these are crazy, crazy times. I know that's a cliche, but, uh, but they really are. No, they very much are, but you are doing your bit to make them a lot more bearable for a lot of people, so... Well, I hope so, Zoe. It's nice to hear that because doing this type of work, you don't see people face to face very often. So uh, it's nice to get that feedback. I really do mean that. And good luck with everything. And uh, when I say stay in touch, I do mean that. Thank um, you. We're connected on Skype now. And uh, good luck with the um, the upcycling business. Sounds brilliant, that. Thank you. Appreciate you're, that. You're very All welcome. Right, take care. Thanks, Zoe. Bye for now. Uh, the lovely Zoe. Reading, she said, didn't she? Zoe just outside Reading or, or thereabouts. Yeah, there's a wonderful programme on the BBC at the moment. It is a wonderful programme. It's on midweek, I think. It's a couple of guys, um, middle-aged guys. One of them uh, wears a kind of a flat cap like me, doesn't he? And they take people's treasured possessions that are, that are uh, well, the worst for wear now, 
and they put them back together and restored them to the former glories. It's great stuff. Uh, the time, by the way, is 17 minutes past the hour. Just in case, here's the details. It's your call. Skype. Chat with Richie. Or call 0161 818 2018. If you're calling from overseas, it's plus 44161 818 2018. Talk to Richie now. My great friend Terence, the Salford Red Devils fan, he will have been delighted last week with Salford's win away to the mighty Lee in the first round of the Super League. Tez has been on to me. Um, to say Zoe sounds a bit like him he's recently Tez and his dad Terry Senior they've begun making box planters out of discarded uh, pallets wooden pallets and they're doing a brilliant job of them too lots of skills out there I don't have any really Simon is on the line how are you doing Simon welcome hi Richie how are you doing pal nice to see you to see you nice I can see Simon it's radio but I can see him whereabouts are you pal uh, I'm in Bridgend you're in Bridgend, in South Wales. So you're in the, the nation of that mad Mark Drakeford, that lunatic. <laughs> That's yes, the Welsh uh, Force uh, Minister. Hair dictator, uh, uh, Drakeford, uh, who's, who's gone just like Sturgeon uh, has, has gone as well. You yeah. know, all, all the, uh, it seems that they're, they're sort of like uh, doing a new wave of, uh, uh, of tyrants, I think. Yeah, they are. He is gone. That's right. Sturgeon is gone too. They seemed to take almost sexual pleasure out of announcing restrictions, didn't they, Simon? Back in the day. Well, well, don't don't talk about uh, no, sexual let's, pleasure let's... because uh, Mr. Drakeford. Uh, I don't know if you know his son uh, is a, a convicted nonce. So um, uh, there may be there may be more to uh, the sexual pleasure that they're deriving. But uh, I, I'm actually Gold Eagle Media, uh, uh, Richie. Gold, Gold Eagle, Gold Eagle calling. And I, I must thank you uh, because you save me so much money when you give me shout outs to Mrs. Gold Eagle. Because oh, uh, yeah. it's so much cheaper than a, than a uh, you know, birthday and Christmas Than a bunch of flowers. Yeah, it is. Get, just get me to do it. Save you on the flowers. <laughs> I like that. Yeah, you're on Twitter as Gold Eagle Media. If anybody wants to jump over there and find, and find Simon, there's only one Gold Eagle Media. Yeah. You've been doing that for a while, haven't you, Simon? Yeah, yeah. Um, I actually work for Unity News Network and uh, um, one of our colleagues, Jackie Devoy, she's been trying desperately to get hold of you. I, I, I said, uh, please don't mention the, the, the car accident again, because that, that's that's something that uh, you did you did say. I, I'll only mention it this once, but uh, mention it, it a couple of times. It's yeah. Occurring. But to be honest with you, it is. It's an astonishing thing, really, to happen. Not look, people have been knocked down before. It's no big deal. I was OK. The thing that astounds me is we live in a time when the police will say, why don't you go and find some CCTV footage and fill out this self-reporting thing? This is just mad stuff. Like You, you, you have to pinch yourself, you know, and just laugh. And I've just left it behind me now. I told them, forget about it then. They've gotten away with it. It is, it, is. it is crazy, you know, but, you know, you, you being an Irishman as well, you know, you get you get knocked down, you get back up again. That's uh, the one, Chumba a whiskey drink or, a, you know, a right. vodka a drink. A Bacardi drink. Yeah, that's that's it, you know, and, and look, like I said, it, it was a bit of a rabbit hole for me because when this got out there, to say that I had contacts from people, and these were people who never heard of the of the Richie Allen radio show, people coming back to me, you won't believe what happened to my son. You know, not only was there the, the dash cam footage of the person who road raged, like beat him up, like it was all there. All the cops had to do was make the arrest. And the cops are like, uh, well, yeah, well, fill out this form and we might get back to you. These, yeah. This is a mad country now. 
I actually had a question for you, uh, Richie. Uh, it, it's something that uh, I want to ask you, and that is, um, have you ever been wrong about anything? Only once in my I, entire I, life. Only once <laughs> in my entire life. I was wrong once. And that was the time I thought I was wrong, Simon. So the answer is no. Of course I'm wrong. I'm wrong all the time. I mean, two or three times a show I, I, I offer an opinion on something or, or a factoid and then I find out later on it's wrong. Yeah, I'm wrong more than I'm right. I like to think well, most people are. What I'm thinking of, though, is, is you calling, because obviously I'm on Twitter, and you are really good. Uh, those, of, those of you that are not on that social media platform, others are available, um, is that you're really good at calling out the, the BS, right, straight away. Uh, I mean, uh, uh, you know, I'll mention a few names like uh, uh, Anna Breeze. Well, they're not here to defend themselves, so let's not mention Okay, I won't, I won't, I won't, I won't, I won't mention them then, yes, because uh, yeah. they, they, they do want the right of reply, don't they, these people? Um, but uh, it, it, what, what, is it just your experience? You know, I've, I've been listening to you since People's Voice. Uh, and, and one thing I'm really, I must apologise for is I'm one of these, uh, I don't know, gangster warriors, is... I haven't sent you any 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 funds. Uh, I, I was originally born Jewish, so may, may, maybe I could blame it on my on my father's. Uh, You'll get uh, me cancelled if you say if you finish that sentence. That's the end of it. You're not allowed to make stereotypical comments like that anymore, even if they are in jest, as you well know. Listen to answer that question. Um, look, when when somebody who claims to be a journalist contacts guests or 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 scientists, people who we would be interested in interviewing. And when somebody who claims to be an independent media content creator, and they're going to people and saying, don't speak on the Richie Allen show, don't speak to Iconic, well, that needs to be called out, doesn't it? I mean, you've got to say something about that publicly. Look, grifters are everywhere. I, we, 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 we've, we've noticed this over the years. The independent media, um, or, or, or I should say, the fact that people are becoming aware of these Orwellian agendas, that is an opportunity for grifters. Grifters know that people are waking up to the reality. And that's where some grifters will come into the space and see those people as a financial opportunity, basically. And, and, and that's what happens. It goes on, yeah. Is that there's no, there's no money in alternative media. You know, we know, we know this at Unity News. Very little, And it's going to yeah. be the same for yourself. Yeah. Is that, you know, where, where you ask people, look, if you've enjoyed the show, come on, you, you know, uh, you know buy, buy us a pint sort of thing. And, and this is this is something that uh, obviously we're, we're, we're on hard times. Mm. Uh, my, my wife, uh, um, we, we won't talk about QAnon uh, with Mrs. Gold Eagle because uh, she, she sort of went down that rabbit hole. Um, but uh, uh, she said, look, let cash in my pension. So we cashed in my pension. Uh, I bought an embroidery machine. I did some print. I, I paid Hayden Hewitt some money to build me a, a, a website. Uh, but then all the money went. I, I couldn't afford to to pay to pay the the, the monthly uh, um, uh, outgoings on that website, and it, it is it is very difficult. We are you know we're we're in hard times. But um, this is what I really want to give a shout out. Not not I don't want to. Obviously, I do talk about Unity News a lot, but I want to give a shout out to to you, you know, to, to people that that can of that have got the money to chip in, uh, because if they could do it just on my behalf, because I get such pleasure. Uh, uh, that sounds very inappropriate, because I, I do say on a lot of messages, I, I, I love you, no homo. But, uh, uh, you know, it, it, a little shout out there because, you know, it is something, Richie, that you do rely on uh, uh, on there. And, and if I if I had if I had the dosh, mate, I would I would send it oh, to you. You don't have to say that. It's nice you said that. Zoe said it earlier on. I, I have become aware in the last couple of months more than ever 
of um, the fact that this particular programme is important to people. And I know the reason for that. There's not really any other radio show that's pretty constant that's there Monday to Thursday at five o'clock. And I'm not being modest. That's number one. You know, talking about these issues in the way we do. So it is a bit unique like that. And I have become, because I've met people lately, just I, I never thought I'd meet. I was down in London with um, Peter Ebden a few weeks ago watching the snooker. And uh, I um, I headed back into um, into central London to get the train back up to uh, to Manchester. And three different people in the station, um, amazingly enough, and it doesn't happen very often, um, came up to me and said, oh, I, I, I know you and I listen to the show. And then they said the same thing. They said, particularly in the last three years, it's been a great thing when I'm a bit fed up and a bit tired of it. It's great that, you know, it's there and I can grab a podcast and have a listen. So I, I really do appreciate that, you know. There's no big-headedness in that at all. It's just the fact it's there and, 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 and people do listen to it. And if it does make them or help them relax a bit or laugh a bit from time to time well thank god for that and it's nice of you to say it simon thank you 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 are appreciated genuinely uh, you know as as the caller said before you know it's 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 because we've got like-minded people uh that uh you know we, we have a place to congregate uh you know to, to listen and agree uh, i mean you know it, it's better than listening to lbc that's for sure uh you know, pro programs like that uh you know if, if i if i'm feeling uh, particularly down i might actually just listen to that uh you know just, just to have a good giggle yeah, yeah. but uh, anyway I, i'm gonna love and leave you because i've got to get ready we've, we've got a kate shemarani show uh, on 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 tonight and, and i i produce it uh on there so i've, I've got to love and leave you leave, leave what's the else. um give give I, I, give our I, listeners the website for unity news go on um it, it's uh, um uh, unitynews.co.uk and, and we're on an obscure gaming channel called d live we got kicked off uh, on youtube same the same week as uk column uh, and uh, we, we're sort of like a UK column, but uh, um, we, we but swear a, but a lot, but and, a lot, uh, <laughs> but a lot better. And well, uh, and you well, never no, told, they, and they, you they, never told anybody that primary school teachers were eating babies in in uh, in London. So don't even mention that other mob. Uh, UnityNewsNetwork.co.uk. And listen, do me a favor. Tell tell Jackie Devoy she has my mobile number. Give me a ring if you want to talk to me. Jackie okay, is, I, I will, Jackie is scatterbrained. Jackie's so a genius, but she's scatterbrained. And, and, and all the best to the missus, uh, Simon. And thanks, thanks for calling in, buddy. Bye for now. Simon is off to uh, to produce um, Kate Chemerani, who's a former nurse, of course, and she was on with me a couple of times over uh, the last couple of years. This is, what is it? What is it? It's Wednesday's Richie Allen radio show, 28 minutes past the hour. It's your call. Skype. Chat with Richie. Or call 0161 818 2018. If you're calling from overseas, it's plus 44 161 818 2018. Talk to Richie now. Does anybody know for streaming on tunein.com? I can't check it because obviously I'm live on the radio. Um, great calls, by the way, so far. And normally, look, we, 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 we give seven or eight minutes to each caller but um, it was really interesting listening to Sarah and, and Zoe and important calls those so we gave them a bit longer I, I, I think you'll appreciate that um, thanks for your messages by the way, Steve has put a link to Unity News on the comments, thanks for that Dave says um, 
snooker after seeing Steve Davis throw that match that was the end of it for me are you claiming Dave the nurse that Steve Davis threw the 1985 Embassy World Professional Snooker final against Dennis Taylor he didn't throw it he bottled it as he's admitted himself he didn't bottle it but that that very fine that, that black that he overcut that left Dennis in at the end no he didn't throw it you know I to Brian who says, I've only known hard times, but I still wasn't daft enough to trust the government, says Brian. Uh, thanks to Wayne who says he can relate to Zoe who had her business ruined and relate to how she feels about people who don't understand. These are the same clueless people who were saying it will all be over in a few weeks back in 2020. That's right. It's an interesting comment by Wayne. It's four paragraphs. Nothing wrong with that. Uh, go to comment live on richieallen.co.uk. And the sarcastic window cleaner says, you are streaming again on tunein.com. Well, thank heavens for that. <laughs> and I want to give a big shout out to, uh, to Fergus, by the way. Fergus, who sometimes sings the blues. But today was very good, helping us get back up. It was a bit shocking, really, what happened yesterday, the way it all went down, you know. And the streaming company in California, they said to me today that they've never kind of really seen anything like that because it was a, it was a hardware attack, using software to attack a hardware device. It's all a bit mad, anyway. Yeah. think we have Elizabeth. think we have Elizabeth on the line. Do and we have Elizabeth on the line? Is it Elizabeth? That they've never, yes. Turn me down, Elizabeth. Turn me down. I am. I'm turning I'm you totally tired down. Of I this, didn't expect you. Tired, tired of the sound of my own voice. And I, I am, to be honest, <laughs> listening to myself. So I'll tell you no. what I'll do. I'm, I'm going to go no. to the toilet. Do you know what I used to do you, with David Icke years ago? Nobody believes this. This is the truth. When I told okay. David this, he laughed so hard that <laughs> he made a little bit of wee-wee. This is the truth. Many years ago, I did, so a, I did, did it I, make him turn him into a nappy man? Yeah, no, there you go. You see? <laughs> I see what you did there. Yes, a trans nappy man. But back in the day, um, I, I interviewed David, and then I interviewed him again. And this is when I was on Talk Radio Europe in Spain. And one night I had, this is as true a story as, you'll, as you're, you'll ever likely hear, I had a really bad case of diarrhoea, but I was on air anyway. <sighs> I introduced him, it was like 8 o'clock or 9 o'clock in Central European time, 8 o'clock on the Isle of Wight. So I said, David, how are you? Grand, thanks for having me back, Richie. Uh, we had a robust chat the first time where I gave him a bit of stick about um, some of the stuff in Children of the Matrix. Anyway, but, but it was good, it was friendly. So I was really desperate to go to the toilet. And I remembered what David is like. Uh, he gives good, long, detailed answers. So I said, right, tell me this. Yeah, five I asked, hours. asked him a question and I went to the loo and left all the doors open. There was no presenter coming in after me who would be overwhelmed by, you know, by, by, by smell and stuff like that. Terrible. I don't, pe people might be eating. I shouldn't even be saying this. So I left all the doors open and I had the speakers in the studio turned up loud. And I'm relieving myself and there's David going on. And another thing, Richie. And another thing. <laughs> And I got back into the presenter's chair just in time, just when he, when he went silent. And I said, interesting, David. And, and I asked my second question, true story. Anyway, Elizabeth, you didn't come on to hear that. What would you like to say? Welcome back, by the way. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Um, I have my friend Flip from Holland here. Did you say and Flip? 
Flip. Yeah, his name is Flip because his full name. Can I give him your full name? Yeah. Yeah, Flip says okay. Philippus Godefridis. That would be his full name. So it's much easier to say Flip. Uh, absolutely. Don't you think? And, he, and he's a Dutchman. He's a total Dutchman. He's actually my second husband. Uh, he's also openly gay. And if there's any cute guys in your audience, you know. Well, there's always me. He would be I, okay but, with but that. I'm, I'm spoken right? for. Right, Flip? Yeah. Anyway, so he's my second husband. We are that close. Oh, fantastic. But, so I, but you, I never have to say I have a headache. You stay but friendly. But I do feel like I should turn him over to you so you can hear a true Dutchman talking. We, we're very much in love with the Dutch here in Salford because most of us in this part of the world are Manchester United fans. Our current manager is a Dutchman called Eric Ten Hag and we love the man. You mean Ten Hag. Ten Hag. That's the one. Yeah. 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 Clear your throat when you say yeah. that. Yeah. We love him. He's brilliant. Yeah. He's really good. <laughs> no, but Flip was... He doesn't listen to you because I think for you, your Irish accent is a bit too much. So. Well, it could be because I'm a rampant homophobe, which I'm not, by the way. But yeah, some of no, my detractors yeah, yeah, would say that. It could also be no, that. No, for sure you're not. No, I don't think um, so. What would you like to say, by the way? Say uh, something. Well, I, want it, I want it to pass you on... To flip, flip. I'm too shy. No, you're not too shy. Here you go. Talk to Richie. Talk to Richie. Come on. Hey. Flip, get in there. Flip. Tell him. Okay, now he's turning shy. I don't get it. Anyway, he was laughing out loud. Are you still there? Oh, I'm listening. I'm all ears. Yeah. 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 He he was laughing out loud about all the you know the Lego figures and the other thing. He said, "Wow. I mean." Didn't the English do a Brexit thing? And everything that's happening in Holland is happening there. And how is nothing different anywhere, you know? Yeah, well, Flip probably knows the UK hasn't really left the European Union. Of course. Well, Not no, in any I don't meaningful think, I don't way. Think, I don't think he does. He's a bit of a more of a normie. He's a bit of a Europhile, is he? Well, he was. He thought it like brought world peace, you know. He, he was... An idealist in that sense. But everybody, I don't know what's going on in the background there. It sounds like there's a siege going on somewhere there, um, Elizabeth, where, where I'm you in, are. I'm in Marbella and lots of sirens. Sorry about that. The Ukrainian that. The, the Ukrainian drug wars are in full flight down there in Marbella. Not it's the, the Ukrainian, Russians. Uh, the, the Russians. Russians. It's the Russians. That. Yeah, yeah, the Russians. That's the one. You've been here. You've been there. I live. So flip then, I mean, it, it doesn't matter what you were before 2020. It doesn't matter whether you were a Europhile, whether you were in love with the idea of the European super state. You must know what's happened in the last three years is abject tyranny, right? Uh, absolutely. And everywhere. He, he, he's pretty much my only friend who kind of caught on that this was bullshit. Yeah. And he actually did start to listen to some alternative, you know, shows in the Netherlands, in Dutch. And, but he's my only friend. I mean, it, it's like what the other people have been saying on the calls. It's very hard to, like, change people's minds. You just can't. No. You know, my whole family is totally captured. Totally. And by it, getting irate, Elizabeth, by getting a bit angry and getting a bit, um, you know, uh, I don't know the word I'm looking for now, but when, 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 yeah, when you get a bit um, shaken up because you know it's happening and they don't and you get a bit ranty, they're never going to pay attention to it, are they? 
No, and and you know what? I pretty much gave up very early on in 2020 because, and I I did it very gently with my family because we're you know stoic Dutch people. We don't share feelings. You know, we might share one article, and that's pretty much all I did with my mother and my family, my sister, and it told me enough. You know, it told me enough information that okay, they were never going to be on board. So I think we have to come to a point, you know, regrettably that we have to say goodbye in that sense to those people. And, okay, what's left is to discuss the weather, yeah. gardening things or whatever, very yeah, neutral you subjects. You don't mean goodbye uh, because these no, are, these no, are no, blood relatives. No, no, I don't mean that but, at all. But they're, you they're just don't nice raise, people. I still yeah, love them. And you don't raise these issues and you just get no. on with it. Yeah, yeah. There's a certain point where you say, why are you wasting your time and your energy? And then, like you say, putting anger into it. What is the point? You are right. My French missus eventually saw the light and realized that she couldn't persuade her French mother, my de facto mother-in-law, a great lady. She couldn't persuade her not to keep having the jabs. There was no point. Yeah, yeah. And, and, and it's sad. It's sad, but you have to love them. And then at the same time, I will... I would look at research, you know, I still continue to. I love the medical field, but not in the same sense of yeah. what it is, the Rockefeller version. Um, now, come here and I tell you, and, let's talk about, yeah. so let, let's go tabloid here now for a change. Right, Did right. you know that Flip was gay when you got married? Yeah, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. So you know, no, 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 no. We're we're not married. He's my second husband. Ah, you were my, jo- so that was a yeah, gag. Ah, he, he's okay. like my best friend. He was he was the best man or ah, my matron of honor, whatever you want to call. I him. thought I'd, I I thought I was going to do a bit of a loose women type or Oprah Winfrey type segment. Now you know what I mean. <laughs> I didn't know my husband was gay, and then I was going to say, "Well, how did you find out?" But, Sorry uh, about that. No, well, I was getting no. really excited about that, and now we just have to go back to talking <laughs> about, about COVID. No, no. I have yeah. a total Spanish bull of a husband, you know. and But Flip is just my honorary husband because he's always so much fun. He's a good guy. We argue until 3 o'clock in the morning, and no, we don't always agree. He thinks I'm a nutcase sometimes. Right, Flip? Yeah. Yeah, but he's we're, laughing we're, right but now. We're back, but we're back again, and this is in no way to... Um, to, to patronise Flip or people like him. The, the fact is, very soon, everybody is going to know that this Great Reset agenda is real. Everybody. Because it's going to affect everybody. We're seeing what's happening in London now. Look at what's going on in Ireland. You know, people in housing estates and housing associations in Ireland are seeing what's going on. They're seeing the impact of um, uncontrolled mass immigration, what it's doing. So everybody now, I think, is just about starting to see, well, yeah, there's something very serious going on here. And um, maybe that's a good thing. Maybe that's out of this we'll maybe. see some change. Okay, okay. Uh, he was already waking up in 2020, right, Flip? He was our, I, I told him and he started listening to other stuff and he said, oh, my God, yeah, you're right. There is some shit going on. Um, but at the same time, I think things will just roll slowly. I don't think there's going to be a big bang unless they actually do have the EMF thing that that one lady guest that you had one time said, oh, I would welcome that. You know, everything would fall out. Unless something that catastrophic happens, it'll just be like war by attrition, you know, the salami technique. 
little bit by bit by yeah. bit, and it, and it, and it only affects you in in a few ways. There, it affects me in a couple of other ways. There, it affects my you know sister another couple of ways. There, but they but the points don't unite. They they don't. You know, the spark doesn't catch. No, it's in, in, what opinion, you're saying is it's incremental. Opinion. So let me ask you this, right? So you're in Marbella. I mm. I see in Salford, I see signs going up like the ones that I saw in London years ago. Signs about low traffic neighbourhoods and low emission zones. So we believe that these things are ultimately happening all over the world, that there's well, a lockstep course, agenda. Yes. Ha- yes, so especially in, in, in densely populated areas. So would like you yours. would this be happening in Marbella at the moment? No, but one thing I have noticed is um, on we looked for houses about two years ago when I was trying to get out of the lockdown situation and get some land because I was living in a shoebox apartment in Madrid. So I thought, oh, let's go get some land. So there we went searching for houses with face masks on uh, two years ago. Um, back then on the listings, there was always that energy rating, you know, from red to green. Yeah. All of the Spanish listings, not available, not available, not available. We have restarted our search uh, a couple of weeks ago, and now houses are starting to register. So I will be asking for this if I do buy a home, to be honest, because, yeah, they're playing fucking games. The thing is, sorry for swearing. Really? Um, On this program? You're sorry for swearing? I'm actually not sorry, but maybe, you know. Um, hey, by the way, so now I'm seeing that you're seeing houses are listing it, and many of them in Spain are supposedly very low. You know, it's like insane. I mean, you have thick freaking walls, and you're telling me this is not energy efficient. It's I ridiculous. Mean, Our house is 110 or 115 years old. It is never cold in this house, ever. Even there you in, go. Yeah, because the house is ancient. It was built for cold weather. My pal Jean Ann is acting as a producer today. I'm going to use the word de facto again. She's, I love uh, that lady. I love that. She's very good because I should have thought of this. You've got flipped there, right? Um, what yeah. A, what about the situation with agriculture in your country and what's happening to Dutch farmers there? That's well, a, that's the a big deal. Farmers, the Dutch farmers are basically being told there will be about a 10% haircut, as they say in the business world, on farmers in the Netherlands. And um, they are number two exporters, which would also mean, okay, it's not just tulip bulbs. It's also lots of food. Uh, that would mean, because they ship a lot to third world countries and aid and things like that. They do a ton of export. Um, the cutting of that is the Netherlands is the canary in the coal mine, as far as I'm concerned. Explain. That's how I see it. Um, Because what they are doing is that they are basically offering farmers, okay, we will buy you out, but it has a time limit. Okay, you have a choice to choose this buyout or try and live under these latest conditions, um, rules, whatever is, you know, now the case. Can I know? jump in there for five seconds? The European mm. Union has told the, the the government in the in the Netherlands, because there is no real 
autonomous government. We don't have autonomous governments anymore in Europe. The EU yeah, has basically but, said that um, Dutch farmers have to reduce their nitrogen measures by half. And if they don't, they can basically lose their farms. If they can't do that, they must sell their farms um, to the government. That's basically what's happening. It's tyranny on steroids, of course. Yes, of that, course. And, yeah. and, and, and you have to understand that the nitrogen level that the Dutch government has said is much lower than is actually required by the EU. Yeah. So they're trying to just be like, you know, that that nerd in the class, you know, that, oh, I'm, I'm the best kid in the class. I have all the answers. You know, the Netherlands is playing that game and they're they're in front line of this. It's a test case. You said you, you, need, you need to see yeah. what's happening. And that's they're the size. I try to tell flip this. You're the size of freaking New York. I mean, why would you actually care about nitrogen reduction when your German neighbors can do a hundred times the level, Whatever they which want. is the EU yeah. level? Okay, so you could shake your hand across the border, Dutch farmer, German farmer, and there you are. But you've basically just forced yourself into a position of no, no winning. And Jean Ann tells me that Ireland, in particular, is is heavily dependent on the Netherlands for uh, for a lot of its vegetable imports. So this would be a problem for for Ireland. But yes, then, yes, th yeah. this shit is going to roll downhill. Absolutely, absolutely. I'm going to try and I mean, take one more call, right? So I'll give you 30 seconds to wrap up, Elizabeth. I'm going to try and take one more call before I go. This is very right, good. Well, then then in in those 30 seconds, I want to give a lot of love to Jean Ann and to you. And thank you for what you do. Not at all. And uh, thanks for introducing us to Flip and for momentarily know, giving me I'm the fantasy so of having tonight, a tabloid you know? show. Ah, we'll get him on another time. We'll, I we'll know. get him on another time. Elizabeth, <laughs> great to hear from you in Marbella. That's Elizabeth there. Yeah, the Dutch farmer situation. Yeah, we haven't really gotten into that a lot on this program. I don't know why. I suppose we get into a lot of things, don't we? And time, of course, is finite, not only on this program. It is exactly uh, 14 minutes to the top of the air. I probably have time for one more call. If I didn't move it along as quick as I normally do, but for good reasons. It's been nice and chilled. And I tell you something else, right? I'm not looking for any sympathy whatsoever now, but I've had a mad two days. I am absolutely exhausted. I just am. By the way, I'm not with you tomorrow. Can I share a nice story with you? And uh, I should have told you this earlier in the week, but I'm telling you anyway. Uh, I'm with you on Friday at three in lieu of tomorrow. You know I love Paul Ripley, don't you? And you know that without Paul Ripley, there would be no Richie Allen show. There would not be a Richie Allen show. He's been acting as my engineer uh, for the best part of uh, eight and a half years. But he's my friend. He, the engineer thing is secondary. And uh, I love him. And Caroline loves him. Um, Paul's wife, Maxine, died very late last year. That was unexpected after a short illness. And that was a terrible thing. And at the moment, and um, this is kind of known, I think, in Manchester, he's battling with an illness at the moment. And uh, he's had a terrible time of it. And I love him. And I thought to myself um, a couple of weeks back, um, Manchester United are playing Barcelona tomorrow at Old Trafford, Manchester. And Paul is a, an absolutely massive Manchester United fan and doesn't get to attend many games. And I thought that you, this is true, by the way, and I, the show would treat him to, uh, to dinner 
and hospitality at Old Trafford tomorrow and uh, and then um, a ticket to the game because he deserves it. And it was an opportunity for me to thank him for everything he's done for us at a time when, when, when he needs, we all need a bit, of a, a bit of a boost, you know. We all need, from time to time, just a bit of a boost. Let your hair down. So the show... The Richie Allen Show is treating, and, and, and that's how it's been done, it's through the finances of the show, is treating Paul tomorrow to uh, to uh, hospitality at Old Trafford for the Man United-Barcelona game. And I'll be with him, and that's why I won't be here tomorrow. Uh, and I'll be here on Friday in lieu of that. We'll have a two-hour show on Friday. So I'm not missing anything. But I thought you might want to know that, and I thought that might make you smile. Because Paul is one of the greatest human beings on planet Earth. I mean, if... If I had, I mean, I give Paul payment sometimes, but not all the time. Um, he does a lot for nothing. If we had paid Paul over the eight years what Paul is worth, um, you're, you'd be talking tens of thousands of pounds. But um, it's almost impossible to pay Paul because he's such an amazing bloke. So uh, and, uh, nobody has had it worse than him in the last few months. I don't think he'd mind me saying that. But uh, we're going to have a right crack tomorrow. Me and him, we're going to go out on the Richie Allen show. We're going to have dinner. We're going to have a couple of glasses of wine. And we're going to go and see a football match. Hopefully the result will be good. But it won't matter really in the end. That's what we're going to do uh, tomorrow. Me and Paul. Uh, the time is 10 minutes to the top of the year. We probably won't get time now for a call because uh, I'll be running out of time pretty quickly. But just in case. It's your call. Skype. Chat with Richie or call 0161 818 2018. If you're calling from overseas, it's plus 44 161 818 2018. Talk to Richie now. Fantastic. Jean Ann thought we were into something a bit tabloidy there. I was really excited about Flip and about uh, Elizabeth because, um, you know, when I did mainstream radio, it's the sort of thing that comes up every now and then. It's kind of funny, really. You know, because when you do mainstream talk radio, it is very magazine-like. So you would, from time to time, hear from people who who say, um, oh, my husband of 20 years has left me for another man and told me he was always gay. And sometimes the, the reverse of that. You would hear from a bloke who would come on and say, and I, I used to think they were really courageous people like that. And they weren't doing it to, to degrade or humiliate their partner who had jilted them. It was never revenge. It was always just like, you know, shock-like, really. I can't believe it, you know. And they were looking for a, you know, a, an ear, a friendly ear, and maybe, maybe maybe to hear from other people who had suffered a similar catastrophe in their relationship, you know. My wife of 20 years left me for her, her best friend, and I never knew that she was um, a lesbian all along. So I was going to ask Elizabeth, because I thought that she was genuinely serious about her second husband Flip I was going to say well how did you not know or when did you find out he was gay kind of a thing but I was denied my loose women moment <laughs> anyway shall I go back to the comments on the website yeah hey my conversation last night with Tony Gosling was interesting Tony was in great form in case you you didn't catch it it wasn't live because of all the madness yesterday, but I recorded it as live. Basically, I pretended I was live on the radio and recorded it and put it on to uh, Podomatic.com and to the usual platforms. And Jenny is happy. Thank you, Jenny. It's a gesture on behalf of the listeners. 
the listeners are paying for me and Paul to go to watch the game tomorrow and have dinner. That's it. It's no. It's not a misuse of. And thank you, Jenny. It's a lovely comment. Jenny says it's a lovely. It is a lovely gesture. It's not misappropriating the Richie Allen show funds. It is not. Um, Paul, it's long overdue that we recognise Paul Ripley, and that um, we 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 uh, we do it in 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 such a way. So that's what's happening tomorrow. So that's why I won't be here. But I will be here on Friday at three o'clock, and that show will go to podcast just in case you can't be here to listen to it at, four, at, at at three o'clock on Friday. Are you with me? Do you get me? Yeah. Okay. Fair enough. All right. RichieAllen.co.uk. Now, Christopher has said, um, Richie, I discovered while trying to persuade my friend Noel from Alicante that his doctor actually went through informed consent telling him of the dangers of the injections in some detail. All the things we've heard from your guests. Noel concluded that his doctor did not want him to have the jab. Amazingly, he has had all the jabs. <laughs> oh, Christopher, thanks for sharing that. So, Noel is in Alicante. Buenas tardes, Noel. Buenas tardes. Went to his doc. The doctor said, Noel, I've just been going through the documentation here. I don't think you should have this job at all. This might be dangerous. And Noel went, Doctor, vamos, give it to me in any case. And Noel has had all his jabs, says Christopher. Jesus, Mary, and Holy Saint Joseph, Christopher. <laughs> how, how is it even possible? Your doctor says, uh, I don't think you should have this. It's just my considered, my, my, my measured, my experienced, my professional opinion. And you say, ah, go on, give it to me anyway. <laughs> ah, go on, doctor. Sure, I'll have it anyway. Sure, why not? Sure, look, I've come all this way, doctor. You might as well give it to me. Hi to Joseph in County Down. Hi, Joseph. Joseph Ferris, nice to hear from you, Joseph. He's listening in County Down. And he says we're broadcasting loud and clear on the TuneIn app, TuneIn.com. Thanks, heavens, for that. Great stuff, yeah. Now, Pandora came back on to say this EPC rating, it is designed to force us out of our properties or to force landlords to up rents because their own costs to cover the EPC guidelines will mean they have no choice but to put rents up. Mortgaged older properties will become too expensive and won't even be saleable. Landlords with large portfolios will face huge expenses or they will be left with uninhabitable, unsaleable, unsellable piles of bricks. Own nothing, be happy, says Pandora. Very good. Yeah, it was a big shock to me, that, the realisation. This uh, EPC rating. Oh, it was a big shock. All together, I tells you, I tells you, I tells you. Listen, I'm going to wrap it up there and leave you and love you. Thanks for being with me. Thanks to all our callers. They were brilliant. It was a really interesting phone in today. Thank you so much for that. We'll do another one next week and we will rattle through the callers. That is a promise, by the way. So, uh, yeah. And um, again, don't look for me tomorrow live because it won't be here Thursday, but I will be here with you on Friday at 3 o'clock UK time in lieu of that. Myself and Paul, it's a Richie Allen show jolly up tomorrow, basically. But it isn't. It's a, It's for Paul. It's a thank you to the great Paul Ripley. On your behalf and on my behalf. So that's 
uh, pretty much it. I'll see you three o'clock uh, Friday at uh, UK time, Friday, three o'clock, usual channels. Until then, look after yourself and one another. And thanks again to the callers. Bye now. <laughs>